Mary. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the podcast of the nerd. I'm Ian. How are you? Are you okay? Um, been a little while since we've checked in. Nothing. It's it's fortunate for me that having not done a podcast in a couple of weeks, that uh, so little has happened. Otherwise, um, I might feel challenged and not sure what to say. Um, I got up early to record yesterday, but I ended up spending most of the day grappling with what today's podcast should be about. Um, I have some notes on some, we'll say, morbid and frustrating things I was dealing with for the month around, you know, things like mortality and family, but I wrote those notes before the actual reality of what we're all collectively living in shifted into warp speed surreal. And there may be some children uh, walking around in the hallway outside. <coughs> I mean, it's Tuesday now, and just the difference between uh, today and Thursday when I publish the video is insane. You know, um, I, you are at the moment inundated with news and information, and, and I know you are because I am, um, and I'm generally pretty good about uh, avoiding social media. I, I think it's important to be informed, but I think there that uh, an overabundance of information can be not a healthy thing. So, um, you know, I... I, I, I I, I don't want to go the route of uh, sharing with you the the stuff that was happening before last Thursday. Because um, I don't think it's my uh, greatest contribution to make right now to bum everybody out. Um, but here's the thing. <coughs> I think you know me. By the way, um, the Patreon hangout was on Saturday and I was a bit sick. I've been sick for weeks. I've been more sick this year than I have been in as long as I can remember. I think what it is, is uh, living alone for seven years and being someone who worked from home at my previous job and then doing this and all of that. You know, my immune system needed a tune-up. You know, I, I, skipped, uh, I skipped a couple of firmware updates on the immune system. And then uh, moving in here with uh, my friend's six kids, it's it's getting that workout. Uh, yeah, getting my butt kicked, and it's okay. Um, but anyway, I've had a cold for... My friend who is a doctor said that, that this is one of the worst cold seasons he's seen in a while, on top of, um, you know, what's going on uh, worldwide. But um, anyway, I, I, I am me, and I just thought if I were to start recording, throw up some jazz hands and tell knock-knock jokes, it might be even more of a cause for concern uh, on your end. So, you know, I put up a tweet asking what people might be interested in me talking about today, and I'll get into some of that, but I just kind of needed to talk a little bit about where I'm at, too, if you don't mind indulging me. 
Um, after that, I wanted to t- chat a little bit about uh, Dear Boy, which I published on Thursday, Angel Episode Guide Season 2, Episode 5. Then respond to some Twitter suggestions, tell you about plans for the upcoming week, and then fanfic reading. Uh, the return of our reading of Here is Gone by Terry Boda. Uh, parentheses, I add, a spike tail. So all of the time codes for those specific things are in the show notes if you just want to skip ahead. But, uh, all right, so where am I? Um, heavy heart, I would say. Uh, a bit of personal upheaval the, the past month. Script flunks are always just kind of a bummer because I'm so frustrated with uh, having been doing this for five years and still banging face to brick with... It's, I mean, you've heard me go up and down all of that. And also, uh, you know, once we kind of get outside the boundaries of a week with a script, I'm most often just, 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 just bathing in guilt. And uh, I should be, it's not an enjoyable time. I talked about that in the, the, um, the difference between procrastination and laziness in my mind. I think there are exceptions to that, but yeah, yeah, uh, then, in the midst of that, got a wicked cold for two weeks that knocked me on my tuchus. Uh It's a family show, Ian. <clears throat> I've never been as sick as I have been in the past year. <clears throat> and I'm having trouble now, as you can tell. So, needless to say, um, several of my New Year's resolutions, which I've been talking about in the process of this podcast, uh, haven't been touched in a month as well. I actually climbed on a scale today for the first time and was delighted to see uh, that I'm the lowest I've been uh, since I started the year, which makes no sense to me because once I got sick, um, intermittent fasting went away, running went away, uh, you know, everything kind of fell by the wayside. But hey, whatever. They say, um, you know, the two, the, the, the most effective diet, sorry about that, the most effective diet uh, that exists is, see, I was going to make a joke, and then I actually flashed on current events, and I was like, oh, that joke's not funny. Um, so there was that. New Year's resolutions have been uh, a bit dropped, and now in the past week, the national reality here in the States and worldwide uh, uh what the daily normal, such as it ever was, now looks quickly and completely different. So, you know, I've been reading, uh, I follow a few of you on Twitter, and um, it's interesting. I really enjoy it because, you know, a lot of what I do is, I, I suppose, relates to the idea of community and loneliness and, and just kind of connection and and dealing with all of that. And it's always interesting to see, as long as it doesn't get into politics or tribalism or any of that, just people's wide reactions to um, change, whether good change, bad change, or unwanted change, or, or whatever it may be. Um, 
one of my best friends, uh, Toby, who is a marvel. She's terrific. Uh, she, you know, I, 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 in my head, I see Toby sort of seeing the news and reacting with, with um, a kind of a, a sensible pragmatism. And I don't know if she listens to this podcast. Toby, if you do, uh, forgive me for if you feel I'm misrepresenting you. But, um, you know, where I I met her uh, uh, at my previous job. We've been uh, friends for about 10 years. Eight years? I don't know. Um, but where I, once you meet a Martin, you're friends for life. Where I uh, kind of hem and haw and... I don't know if I feel like doing this and where, what is my motivation and where is, you know, she, in the meantime, uh, had multiple jobs and just, uh, kicking ass on multiple fronts and it just gets stuff done and is so, um, just pragmatic and effective. And I, I think about the difference between her and I, and then in, in the context of, the way people react to, you know, this kind of thing. The the world changes, all of us staying home now, uh, all of that. There's a new present reality to adjust to. And based on the evidence of this weekend, I don't even know what Toby's reaction would be. But I, I know that I wish that I had that reaction <laughs> instead. <laughs> um but based on the evidence of this weekend, I know the person I would compulsively be when confronted by new, these circumstances. And that is the man in the baggy sweatpants curled up in bed with a box of Boda and a bottle of Canadian Mist watching shows that make me cry, wondering if it's still safe to get delivery jalapeno poppers. I'm not saying that's exactly how my weekend went, but that's exactly how my weekend went. And as a... Uh, I, you know, as a a uh, high anxiety neurotic, I I I guess that's just kind of my autopilot, my automatic way of being. Catastrophize myself into terror, toss my goals and commitments out the window, and drown the storm of fear um, that I have stirred up in my own head. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be that guy or gal for a couple of days. Um, it reminds me of that, that story I've told you before. Um, one night I was laying in bed, bored with terrible, boring insomnia, just rolling around. That's one of the weird things about insomnia is how dull it is. And I just started chatting up Google Home uh, at random. I was stuck on a script, supremely frustrated with myself, and so I asked Google, how do I stop procrastinating? And Google said, 10 steps to follow to stop procrastinating. Step number one was, forgive yourself for procrastinating. And the next day I finished the script. So for me, um, that is the way any emotional fixation works. And that's um, where the business of shifting it starts. Uh, I wish I could guilt or shame or should or shouldn't myself into doing things. I have friends who can, and I, 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 anything that gets the job done, I admire. But I know from a lot of trying and failing that those feelings are just 
crippling for me, not motivating. I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. It doesn't work. Eventually, I just end up an inert pile of self-hatred, just gorging on gummy bears and slamming back rosé because screw it now, man. Who even cares? <coughs> Dignity, Ian. <laughs> so, you know, I had a bad weekend. And I let the autopilot drive. Uh, sweatpants McBoda box is apparently my go-to personality when the world starts looking a little weird. And that's okay. But the fact that I'm also, I'm hoping, self-aware uh, of how the autopilot works in this way means, and get your bingo cards ready, I get a choice. And the, the question that this podcast is all about is um, pretty straightforward. You know, the world is what it is, and who do I choose to be today? Um, uh, I was talking with Jack about this kind of way of working through uh, troubles, and, and the one we always just kept coming back to is, okay, so what do we do now, Muffy? Uh, and the answer to that question really hasn't changed since New Year's. Um, you know, Sweatpants McMotobox had his weekend. That is apparently how I react, my initial reaction to, oh, the world's very different and weird looking now. And, uh, you know, then the week starts and it's time to pick myself up, dust myself off, and just get back to work. The only real antidote to anxiety anyway is action and there are many rocks to go and get uh so that's where i'm at uh recording the podcast as a part of that tomorrow i will be live tweeting um the next buffy script the, the outline for family you know and and i'm very aware of if you're new to this um, self-sequestering, uh, staying home, uh, you know, it might be a bit lonely. But, the, but, uh, but I hope that there is some solace in the, the fact that we're all doing it. You know, we're all doing this thing together. Um, uh, there may be a piece of drywall between you and your neighbor, but there's a human being on the other side of it, um, or across the lawn. And, uh, you know, we'll get through it. And, and I think that my contribution to make to that process is to talk about shows that have been off the air for 18 years and to get together with a wonderful group of people on the internet, have a conversation about those shows that have been off the air for years, and um, to not throw gasoline on the fire. It's too easy to be scared. I, I, it's, uh, I speak from experience. That is, uh, uh, you know, uh, as we said, my first reaction is lying on the ground in the fetal position, and there's a, a box of Boda right there in that little... You get the idea. So, let's move on. Um, unless something else comes up. Uh, again, I, you, you, this may sound, this little diatribe may have sounded ridiculous. Maybe your um, 
more of a Toby. I wish I was more of a Toby, uh, but I'm an Ian, you know, so uh, I'm going to try and do what an Ian can uh, to to be helpful, I guess. This is why I write I, I write a little bit more, because speaking off the cuff, yeah. All right, so let's talk about Dear Boy. I think the video turned out pretty well, but why did it take you know, five weeks, uh, to finish. Well, we've talked about a number of re the reasons. Um, this one obviously stretched out longer than expected until the thing that I was acting actively having to combat, the thing I was fighting was no longer the script, but it just plain old inertia, which does happen. And I would not have pegged this video as being one that triggered the face meets wall script problem because after the live tweet session, I felt like I'd had some really good notes. Understanding Darla's, God, I could eat his eyeballs, was what that was referring to was quite a head-slapping moment for me. And I think that there are, it is rich with um, things to get into there. I, I, the... The 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 Connor relationship obviously is I what is there what is the mutant enemy obsession with Oedipus, um, the Connor relationship and how that all sort of went down between uh, Cordy and Deep Down and all of those that was a sort of self evidently Oedipal, but um, the 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 Darla relationship it it hadn't never really dawned on me and then when I kind of said is she referring to Oedipus this is one of the th reasons why I enjoy uh the live tweet sessions I believe it was Sara responded um yeah uh, Darla literally breastfed Angel uh into existence and uh yeah oh so I thought that was really really good stuff of course I prefer you know, the musical, dramatic, emotional uh, kinds of things to to that. But it, it, my point is that I didn't watch the episode and say, well, what the hell am I, what, what am I going to say about this? So when I chatted, and then when I went and chatted with um, uh, Bad Decisions Jess about it, she was the one who came up with the Tircius the Blind Prophet connection to Lorne, which I thought was awesome. But then a week went by, and then another, and the voices crept in, and it was the same old song. So, um, as ever, for me, in running this business, which I guess is what this is, right? Uh, the greatest impediment to the process remains scripting. Um, but, you know... Uh, fall short a thousand times, you keep trying because try number 1001 might be the thing that clicks. I've been binging a lot of The Good Place. We'll talk about that in a minute. So the way I broke through this time was by switching up the morning process. I Earlier in the year, I talked about using Youper, the app, as a form of kind of guided journaling. And the thing I've discovered is it's just not really built for that. Not for that specific kind of everyday use. Um, so I, I, and I, I think the way that was sort of popping up for me was if I was in a good mood or felt, if I wasn't suffering over something, then firing up the app and using it just kind of felt tedious. 
So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching Wheezy Waiter, who I've talked about before, who is a gentleman, a balding, bespectacled YouTube maker of middle age that uh, has another channel where he talks about his process, and he said he had start taken up journaling, and it was very effective and helpful, so I started thinking maybe a traditional uh, morning journaling habit would be more helpful. First thing of the day, get my fingers moving on the keyboard, set the goals, get my brain sails up and the rudder aimed in the right direction, and it worked. Um, I started journaling on a Tuesday, but Wednesday I finished the script. I don't have the timeline right in my head. Uh, but after a day or two, the, really what it is is um, I suffer from some, not suffer is the wrong word, but I, I, I struggle with so many of the, the, the classic impulsive fallacies when it comes to creating something and that uh, the one for me with that that comes up with scripting is just kind of emotionally i think i i i feel i i can't really i don't i don't really i don't i can't really figure out how this section is gonna go in the scripts so I, I i i probably can't sit down and write which is nonsense because you know the the truth of it is you start writing and then you figure out how to get to the end of it. And then you edit and revise and clean up and so forth. But every single time I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I have anything to say about that, but I can't figure out what I have to say until I start writing. So with journaling, the thing that, that has been successful for me so far is, um, getting me in the stream of thoughts, to fingertips, to keyboard, to words on the page. It's, it's, you know, <clears throat> I said that one of the, uh, one of the, the, uh, I think I said in early January when we started talking about New Year's resolutions that, um, you know, I've never found journaling effective because if there's a storm in my head, I just end up with a storm on paper and it doesn't really clear up or anything like that. But in tandem with the conversation that uh, we had with Lonnie a couple of weeks ago where she talked about target audience, uh, with journaling, uh, what I, I sit down and I'm not writing to me. I'm not having a conversation with me. What I am is I'm, I am, I'm having a conversation with, and this is just for me, this is the target audience of my journal, my therapist. So here's 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 what I I want to accomplish for today. Here's what I need to get done, and based on the work and the the working relationship that I have with uh, this woman that I've been seeing for a couple of years, I know how to effectively attack things that are sort of blocking me or things I need to say or clear up or whatever. Now, if I'm talking to myself in the journal, if I'm my own target audience, it, it it's verges on navel gazing or, or mental masturbation, but picturing a person with which I have very effective communication for me made it so much more effective where, okay, here's what I need to accomplish today. Here's where I'm blocked and so forth. And then that goes into the to-do list. To-do list goes in the calendar and I start um, executing the day. 
So I started by using Evernote. Uh, in the morning, I create a new note, six lines in it, six headings, uh, big day tasks, weekly goals, daily habits, radar, which are just things that I think at some point I need to deal with um, renewing my LLC for Colorado, uh, stuff like that. Gratitude and then thoughts. I don't always get the gratitude section filled out, but under thoughts, I pretend I'm talking to uh, her and it works. Got the script done, uh, video out a couple of days later. I have been doing this long enough now that, um, you know, I, I, I'm not holding my breath. This one worked for this one, and I will continue to um, work on this habit of writing. You know, basically it was like, when Youper worked, why did it work? And then transferring that to just doing that in uh, a journal in the morning. Another thing I noticed when I was poking around inside of Evernote was um, a template called Focus Energy Log. Basically, it's a spreadsheet. I know this sounds very dry, but uh, just getting it out of the way. Um, it's a spreadsheet with a row for each hour of the day at the top of the hour. So once an hour, 10, p 10 a.m., uh, check a one through five for focus, enthusiasm, and energy. It takes me about 20 seconds. And um, that may sound tedious, but the thing of it is, it's 20 seconds, and what it is is building uh, in an hourly system to stop, take quick stock, and say, okay, where am I? What am I focused on? What am I doing? And if I'm distracted, how can I get back to the thing that I'm working on? I work from home. I don't sit in a cubicle. There's no one around me. There's no boss looking over my shoulder. The day is just clay. I mean, it's it's just, it's a soup of um, possibility. Anything at any moment, any time. And so far, the effect of this has been cutting down on the rabbit holes I f find myself falling into when I'm home alone all day. Oh, I'll just... I'll just I'll just watch a good mythical morning video or twelve. Oh, I'll just play some Dota for. Hey, I'm just gonna take a break. I earned it. I wrote a paragraph. I'm gonna take a break, and go and play Dota. And oh my God, four hours have gone by, and I've lost the entire day. So with the log, it's a chance to just take a moment at the top of every hour, be present, ask myself, what am I working on? What do I want to be working on? And do I need to course correct uh, if necessary? And like I said. I'm not holding my breath. For now, these things are working. Um, Monday uh, and after national events, it, it was a mighty struggle to get going in the morning. That's kind of the way I am. But here we are having this conversation now. Um, and the thing about any tool, I say this as a, a former GTD addict, and I don't mean addicted to getting things done. I mean, addicted to systems designed to help you get things done. The number of to-do lists I've bought over the years, the number of apps, the number of, it's the toolbox fallacy. The number of things that I, I you know, accumulated because I was like, well, if I, this will be the thing that will, and there's just no substitute for just start. So, um, you know, the thing about any tool is it doesn't matter how fancy or helpful it can be if you never pick it up. But so far, waking up in the morning, one goal in mind, start journaling. As opposed to waking up in the morning and say, okay, I have to finish the script today and 
and I have to record, and then hopefully get an edit stream done. And oh, I said I was going to do a game stream in the evening. I said, no, 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 no. Sit down, do the one thing. The one thing feeds the rest of the system. We'll see what happens. Um, maybe number 1001 will be the one. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed Dear Boy. Uh, next up is Buffy, I think it's season five, episode six, Family. Um, planning on live tweeting that first draft tomorrow. All right, so I threw out a tweet asking what people wanted me to discuss today and got a couple of responses. Most were sort of related to um, this one. Uh, Mr. Defrosted Robot says, maybe talk about a couple of your favorite comedy shows that aren't Parks and Recreation. So first of all, uh, Boris, thank you for the question. Second of all, how dare you, sir? I will never stop talking about Parks and Recreation. But uh, I saw Joss responded to a tweet yesterday asking people to throw out their comfort movies. I'm going to change that to my comfy blanky TV and movies. And um, now just to give you a sense of what I'm describing, I'm not sure I would put Buffy or the Buffyverse on the comfy blanky category. It's just, it's too emotionally devastating at times. There are episodes that are comfy blankies, but... Overall, the show is um, not what I'm describing. But th that means that this is not an all-time's favorite list. All-time favorites list. Uh, this is, a, I want to feel warm and safe and okay kind of list. So, in no particular order, number one, Parks and Recreation. Now, here's how comfy a blankie Parks and Rec for me is. I watch it every night. I, I, I may seriously have a problem. I start an episode, I turn on the TV sleep timer, I put on the eye covers, and I feel safe. So Parks and Recreation is about a parks department in a fictional town in Indiana. It's an ensemble faux documentary show with Amy Poehler's character Leslie Nope, Lester Knopf, at its center. And I love it not just because it's really funny, and be, but because it's a show full of good people. Good people of varying philosophies just trying to make their way in the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and that'll be kind of a common trend to most of the ones I've mentioned. Stumbling blocks for getting into the show. Season one. Uh, whenever I mention this show, I get a few people who mentioned they tried it but couldn't get into it. Season one is very dry and not a representation of what the show becomes. So I recommend start with season two. It's not a show that you watch for the plot arcs and the twists and the turns and all of that. Nothing happens in season one um, other than some characters meet, but you'll understand their relationships in context after a minute of them being on screen. So, start with season two, go from there. If you get into the show and love it, you can end by watching season one uh, after season seven. Currently, all seasons of Parks and Recreation are on U.S. Netflix. I can't speak for uh, other areas. And I specifically looked... Uh, I, there are, I'm going to talk about four here. And 
Uh, all four of them were ones that I made sure were on U.S. Netflix, which is the only one that I have access to. I mean, I, there were other things I, I would have thrown out if if that were if this, we were just speaking broadly. But we're all at home, and a lot of us have Netflix, so check and see. Okay, next from the creator of Parks and Recreation, Mr. Michael Schur. I think I'm saying that right. The Good Place. Uh, good Place is a little more difficult to describe because it is pretty loaded with twists and turns that I don't want to spoil, including one right at the end of the first episode. I mean, uh, in fairness... Actually, I'm going to move myself over there. There we go. Uh, the Good Place! Yay! I think even uh, Netflix description of the show spoils the end of the first episode, but... Yeah, I get it. If you trust me, um, just go and watch. So the setup is Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, wakes up in the afterlife. She is in the good place. And the first person she meets is Ted Danson's character, Michael, an afterlife architect who designed the neighborhood she's going to spend her eternity in. It's an ensemble show. That's my favorite kind. Very character-driven comedy, which over the course of the seasons, begins to become more and more touching. Um, but because it's grounded in character, touching in a way that feels completely earned and wonderful, uh, the characters all go on a, a bit of a journey together, and it's beautiful to behold. Um, if you like the kind of thing, and if you enjoy uh, the kind of thing I do on the channel with Buffy, The Good Place is loaded with philosophy and does a similar thing as Buffy where the story of an episode will be used to explore a specific philosophical concept like the trolley problem. Um, the show is a joy. Good people trying to be good and having to grow in order to do it. There's a ton of Narnia-like fantasy elements about it and the four seasons are one continuous story from beginning to end. So no skipping. Stumbling blocks for the show. Uh, the only one I ran into when I watched it for the first time was at the end of the first season where I thought that was pretty good, but I have no idea how they're going to do another season. Um, that's just as interesting. They do. They absolutely do. Uh, by the end of the second episode in season two, I went, okay, I'm in. I'm in. So... Um, don't skip an episode. You really can't. Um, and the finale, which came out this year, has been so stuck in my brain since I watched it a couple of weeks ago that I have since rewatched the show again. And I so desperately needed someone to talk to about it that I got Jack addicted to the show just so he'd rip through it and we could have a conversation about it. The, it, the funny thing was, and, and I'm not comparing these in terms of tone, but I felt that way at the end of The Body. The end of the body, I watched something. I sat there in silence after watching the body and realized that I had watched something that I so desperately wanted to share with someone immediately in that moment. And, but I knew that unless they watched four, four and a half seasons of television, it wasn't going to matter to them the same way. You know, it, it was uh, it was an amazing experience, and the finale of the Good Place is very similar. So, give it a go. 
Um, definitely one of my top three finales ever. All good things not fade away. Sozin's Comet and The Good Place. That, that, that would be four. Um, first three seasons of The Good Place are on Netflix right now. I believe the fourth season is on Hulu. Um, I know that uh, outside of Netflix US, Netflix UK, I believe has all four seasons because it aired on Netflix rather than any other network. Um, so those should keep you busy. I really wanted to recommend Avatar The Last Airbender, but I couldn't find it on a streaming service, which was kind of the prerequisite for making the list. But that show is uh, in my personal top three all-time alongside Buffy, so if you trust me, just go grab the DVDs and give it a go. All right, um, two quick movie hits, all on Netflix. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is so unbelievably good. It is the best Spider-Man movie, period, and the best superhero movie in a decade? Uh, it's really good. Maybe the best superhero movie for me. I don't know. Christopher Reeve's Superman. Uh, Miss Tessmacher. Hmm. That's a tough choice. And we can put my face for people watching on the interwebs. Back where it's supposed to be. There we go. Um, so, incredible animation. Miles Morales is a wonderful protagonist. And the story is loaded with emotional stuff that resonates at any age. Watch it. You know. It's a leap of faith. Uh, second one is, this is a very different, and uh, what I consider to be an un underrated uh, romantic comedy called About Time. It's written and directed by Richard Curtis, who wrote Love, actually, Four Weddings and a Funer Funeral in Notting Hill. Stars Dom Hall, Gleason, Rachel McAdams, and the British treasure, Mr. Bill Nye. Uh, Bill Nye is Dom Hall's dad, and on his son's 21st birthday, reveals to him that the men in their family have the ability to travel in time. Uh, I personally enjoy a good romantic comedy, and especially love one that incorporates science fiction premises like time travel, but does it in a way that feels sort of grounded and realistic and is less about the way the the... The, th the mechanic functions just as opposed to what the mechanic opens up in the storytelling. Will the movie change your life? No. But it's a fun, uh, joyful piece, piece of escapism, and I kind of feel like that's something we all kind of need right now. Uh, then again, the third most watched movie on Netflix right now at the time of recording is Outbreak. <laughs> <clears throat> which seems like a very weird coping mechanism, my fellow uh, Americans, uh, my fellow Netflix Americans. Um, that said, I watched Outbreak, and boy, that movie does not hold up. Contagion is much more interesting. All right, goals for the week. Um, I'd like to get the get back to doing some Red Dead Redemption 2 streaming, uh, hopefully ha be doing that Thursday night. If you're interested in the video game streams, just follow me on uh, Twitter because I will tweet them out. That's at Ian Nitram. And tomorrow we're going to be, I'm going to be live tweeting the uh, script session 
for the next Buffy episode. And Jack and I are also going to be getting Patreon bonuses current. I realize uh, it's been a bit of a tumultuous year, and one of the things that has suffered is me delivering on those bonuses poorly, uh, which was what was happening before. Now it just has, we've not been delivering on them. So um, we need to get those caught up, which is going to mean a few more readings and uh, whatever else uh, people are into. The other thing I was thinking about with Patreon was, and, and Jack and I were talking about this the night before, because we've been staying up to all, all hours watching The Good Place together, which our Star Trek The Next Generation marathon morphed into. The other thing I was thinking was the $5 um, level on Patreon. I get a lot of notes from people when I reach out to them to talk about the Patreon bonuses that they that they're just donating and and they're just it's just because they appreciate what I do um for which is crazy and moving and I I'm very grateful but oh and I forgot to switch over to about time there you go um but I've been thinking about the Patreon hangouts the you know the Patreon Hangouts, the group that has been going. There's 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 a pretty steady regular group of people. We get some new people every now and again, which I I love and appreciate. But it, it's it. I've realized that there it's an intimidating thing. Uh, maybe not for the Tobies of the world. <laughs> <coughs> You know, for the Ians of the world, if if uh, video conferencing in with someone who makes content that I enjoy and having a conversation with a room full of strangers, and not only that, but having that conversation streamed to the internet is a tall order. Um, takes uh, a lot of. I think it's. I think it's. I think it takes a lot of guts, and I don't think that. Um, if people want to chat with me and talk with me about these kinds of things, that that should be absolutely necessary. So I've been considering adding an unstreamed game night to Patreon. You know, maybe once a month, uh, do a similar kind of thing where we have a, a Google Hangout where you can join in voice or what have you and play Jackbox together. Just... Buffy trivia, um, any number of things, but more of just kind of a hangout than than the form that we have sort of found for um, the episode conversations, which I love, by the way. Uh, God, those conversations continue to blow my mind, what people see and come up with it's gorgeous and i get to be you know the i get to be the fan uh, from scratch again in that situation where it's like oh that's so brilliant so anyway um once jack and i get the current patreon bonuses up to date then i'll probably look at adding a game night i think it'll be you know the current patreon hangout is five dollars it might make it six dollars or whatever i think there's some complication for it being the same uh, number, but we'll see. We'll see. And maybe, maybe that's not an interesting idea to people. I'm not sure. So boom, boom, boom. And the other thing of goals for me for this week is to kind of take stock of that, uh, new year's resolution list 
and um, you know get started again. The I have a to-do list generated from Lonnie and our conversation uh, to start the novel. Now that she and I have had that conversation, thoughts about the novel and the characters and, oh, I've got to work this out and how this works and uh, have been popping it back into my head. I think what I'm going to do is just pick up that story that I started when I started the channel because I want to, I want to get back to, I like what that, what was there. And I, I feel a connection to that main character and that I never wrote her out of that situation bugs me. <laughs> so, um, of course, th this podcast is largely procedural and uh, just all about process, so I will um, talk to you about that. But again, take stock, get some things going again, uh, get a couple of runs in now that the cold is gone, and um, talk with you guys again on Monday. So, before I get into the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know that I'm at Ian Nitram uh, on Twitter. And youtube.com slash passion of the nerd if you'd like to support the channel and keep me flush with hand sanitizer and flu medication, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd or by grabbing yourself um, something from passion of the nerd.com slash store. And if you're an Amazon Prime member, um, you may not realize this, but you can support me by going over to the Twitch channel and using your monthly um, Amazon Prime subscription. Either way, I appreciate it. So thank you. Now let's get into Here is, here is Gone. So I should have, uh, the, uh, within a day or two of posting this podcast, also uploaded a catch-up which is the first 10 chapters of uh, Here is Gone in one single listening. Nothing else, none of the podcasts that you can listen to, um, chapters 1 to 10. All right, so we are on chapter 11. I just want to make sure now. Yep, we are on chapter 11. All right. Here is Gone. Chapter 11 by Terry Boda. Links in the description or show notes if you want to read ahead. The following day, Spike made his way to the hospital via the sewers. He knew that today was the day Joyce would be diagnosed with the tumor, and he wanted to be there. He found Buffy comforting a distraught Dawn, but there was no sign of Joyce. Hi, Spike, Dawn greeted listlessly. They take her in, he asked when Buffy looked up at him. Buffy nodded, her hand absently stroking Dawn's hair. They took her in about twenty minutes ago. He nodded, but didn't say anything. Instead, he looked around before settling down on a chair next to Buffy and waited in silence. Half an hour later, a nurse appeared at the entrance to the waiting room and called Buffy back to see her mother. Stay with Dawn, please, she asked him, her eyes sad and worried. Spike nodded and moved into the chair next to Dawn as Buffy followed the nurse. Dawn looked stricken, and Spike swallowed the lump in his throat. Don't worry, Niblet. I'm sure your mom's just fine. He lied, after several tense moments, trying to be cheerful. Dawn turned to him with reddened eyes. No, she's not. 
Spike seemed put off, his brow creasing. How do you know? Because they only wanted Buffy. If Mom was fine, they'd have asked for both of us. But because I'm the little sister... Spike tried to deflect her tears. Now, bite size, I'm sure there's a good reason for why they only wanted Buffy. I'm not a baby, Spike. I can tell when someone is trying to protect me. I watch TV, you know. It's always the youngest who finds out last. Spike snorted. Piffle. You watch too much TV, niblet. TV isn't real life, and real life doesn't work that way. Doesn't it? Spike was about to respond when Buffy returned. The look on her, her face broke his heart. Buffy. Dawn asked timidly. Buffy sat down on the other side of Dawn and reached out a shaky hand. Dawnie? Mom's going to be okay, right? Tears welled up in Buffy's eyes. We don't know. The doctors, they found a shadow in Mom's brain. A shadow? Dawn repeated. They don't know what it is. They're taking her into surgery to do a biopsy. Surgery? Now? Buffy nodded. Can I see her before? Dawn asked. Buffy nodded again. I'll take you back. As she and Dawn got up, Buffy looked at Spike, an apologetic expression on her face. Spike, I, I know, Slayer. Family only. Buffy confirmed it and gave a little shrug. Niblet, tell Mom I'll be seeing her soon, and I'll make her some cocoa. I will, Spike, Dawn agreed, and followed her sister down the hall. Buffy came back a minute later. I'm going to call the magic box, let them know what's going on. Okay. You stay here with Dawn for a moment? Not a problem. Whatever you need, whatever I can do. She gave him a soft smile and headed for the payphones. Returned a few minutes later, quiet and pensive, and sat next to him. It was all he could do to keep from putting his arm around her. Dawn joined them as they wheeled Joyce on a stretcher down to the O.R. The older woman gave him a smile and a wave, which he returned as he watched her go. Then the three of them settled in for the long wait. It was hard on Spike because he'd already... Already knew the outcome, and he was never good at waiting. Thankfully, the room had a television, and he watched soap operas. Dawn fell asleep at some point during the afternoon, and he covered her with his duster. Buffy was staring off into space. Dawn was sleeping, and he was watching Passions, when Riley entered the waiting room looking flustered. Riley, Buffy said, surprised to see him. Spike just sat back and smirked to himself. Since Soldier Boy hadn't caught him sniffing Buffy's sweaters that morning, he hadn't known about Joyce's tests. I just came from the magic box. They told me about your mom. Buffy, why didn't you call me? Buffy looked away guiltily. I, I didn't want to worry you until we knew what was going on. Well, you did worry me. I went by your house this morning and no one was there. I had no idea what was going on. His voice was steadily rising. Oi! Keep it down. Niblet's sleeping, and I'm trying to watch the telly, Spike groused. Riley glared at him. He sneered back. What's he doing here? The ex-soldier complained. That's my Riley voice. Buffy rolled her eyes impatiently, and Spike silently cheered. He was there last night when Mom told us about the test results, and he asked if I minded if he came. I said no. He and Mom are friends. He cares. Riley tried to whisper, but he didn't account for vampire hearing. Buffy, do I have to remind you that Spike is a vampire? Buffy cut him off. I don't have time for this, Riley. He asked. I said yes. End of discussion. 
Riley backed off, hands raised in surrender. Buffy caught sight of Joyce's doctor scanning the room and rose to her feet. She walked over to him, motioning Riley to stay behind. Spike waited a few beats, then got up, giving Riley a nonchalant shrug. Never was good at doing what I was told, he quipped, and headed over to the other side of the room. Do you have the results yet? He heard her ask as he joined them. She cast him a glance, but didn't make him leave. Why don't we sit down over... The doctor said after a pause. Buffy interrupted him. No! Excuse me, doctor. No. Not to be rude, but I don't want to sit down. I've been doing nothing but sitting down for hours. Just tell me. The doctor sighed and gave in. Your mother has... Uh, the term is low-grade glioma. It's a brain tumor. Spike saw Buffy's eyes glaze over in shock. Then her knees gave out. His, with his vampire speed, he was able to get a chair underneath her before she fell, but then stepped back, giving her space. This was proving to be more difficult for him than he had originally thought, but he had to see it through for Buffy. Still, it was so hard to not give himself away, so hard not to reach out, but he couldn't. He hadn't been given that right yet. The clinical name is Olgodendroglioma. It's the left hemisphere of the cerebrum. In your mother's case, the tumor seems to have started there. In other words, it hasn't spread there from another part of the body. Which, in a way, is good news. The doctor moved to sit across from Buffy, his face compassionate. I know this is very difficult, and unfortunately, because of the nature of your mother's illness, things could progress very quickly. The words snapped Buffy out of her st stupor. Things? What What things? Symptoms. There are a fair variety that might pre present. Loss of vision or appetite, lack of muscle control, mood swings, or personality changes. But what can we do? she asked. The doctor gave her a gentle smile. Not much, until we determine if the tumor is operable, which we're working on. Well, I... Is there something I should be doing? Can I help? The doctor nodded. Well, there's some literature you might want to look at. If we aren't able to go in surgically, there's a number of new treatments that are very promising. Your mother's prognosis is a lot better today than it would have been a year ago, even if the tumor is non-operable. She has a real chance. Buffy, shrewd as ever, replied, What's a real chance? The doctor hesitated, but Spike's growl made him answer, Nearly one in three patients with this condition do just fine. The words hit Buffy hard, and Spike saw her hands start to tremble. Now let me ask, does your mother's insurance company require copies of MRI and pathology reports? The doctor was asking. Never having dealt with such a situation before, Buffy was at a loss. I I'm not sure. Just let me know as soon as possible, and I could use some information regarding your mom's lifestyle and home environment. For instance, does she use a cell phone? Buffy was looking overwhelmed, and Spike ached to step in, but he didn't know what to say. I, I think she uses one of those... She had an ear thing, but... Okay. Is your, is your house near any power lines, chemical plants, waste disposal facilities? I, I don't think so. Maybe. Dumps on the other side of town, Spike commented. Well, the more we know... I'm sorry, Buffy trailed off. Someone new joined them, and Spike turned in time to see Ben touch the doctor on the shoulder and tell him that he was needed in ICU. At the sight of the intern, 
Spike's vision went red, and he clenched his fist. Kill you. Kill you, I will. You and the hell bitch not gonna touch my girls. The doctor was standing, giving his condolences, but Ben was still there. Bomb your car. Put poison in your drink. Ben was explaining that he saw Buffy floundering and had fabricated the story of the page to get rid of the doctor and give her some space. For a moment, it looked like he was going to sit next to Buffy, but one look from Spike made him change his mind. Listen, the intern said nervously, casting odd glances at the vampire that was looming protectively and glaring at him. Your mom's going to be unconscious for at least another six, seven hours. Why don't you take a break? A, a break, Buffy repeated, stunned. I just mean go out, get some air. Come back later this evening, talk to the doc if you want. He backpedaled. Buffy hesitated, and Spike moved in closer, menacing. Ben threw up his hands good-naturedly. My unsolicited advice of the day. I don't know why Ben's drunk. He waved and moved off, stopping when a nurse showed him a chart. Spike never took his eyes off him, not even when Riley approached. Buffy, much to Spike's ire, Buffy hugged Riley, leaning on him for comfort. It's bad, Riley. I know. I've got to do something, she blurted at him. Do something? Riley asked. Maybe there's some magic or something? A healing spell? She offered. Spike creased his brow and gave a shake of his head. Buffy didn't see it, but Riley did, and for once they agreed on something. He healing spell? Buffy, people get sick. I don't think magic can help. That attitude's not helping. I have to try. Uh, okay, Riley gave in. Pulling out of his arms, Buffy fought to get her thoughts in order. I need, I need to talk to Giles. Can you drop Dawn off at school for me? Tell her I'll, I'll meet her at the magic shop when she gets out. Whatever you need me to do, Riley agreed. I'll meet you in the magic box, Slayer. In the meantime, I'll swing by the gallery and see if I can get some of the insurance info the doc needed, he added, trying to be helpful. The gallery? Buffy questioned. I know the way through the tunnels. I'll pop up, have a chat with whoever's in charge when your mom's not there. Maybe make a couple of phone calls and see what I can find out, all right? He clarified. Buffy looked about to cry, but she nodded. He nodded back and went to retrieve his coat from across dawn, waking her in the process. Spike? She murmured sleepily. Hey, sweet bit. Mom's out of surgery. Big, big sis is headed out to get a break while soldier boy takes you to school. We'll meet you at the magic box later after school, okay? What happened with Mom? The teen asked. He shook his head and lied. No news yet, love. It might be a while. He stepped back and turned to Buffy as Riley came close. I'll see you later, Slayer. She acknowledged him with a nod, and he headed out. He saw Ben at the end of the hallway and stopped to stare for a moment. Cut the brake line on your Nancy boy car. Growling... Frustrated, he stalked down to the basement and the tunnel entrances. He swung by the blood bank on the way down and nicked a couple of bags for lunch. What Buffy didn't know wouldn't hurt her. Ah, that's good to be back! I, by the way, I have um, attempted to reach out to Terry, um presumably she, uh, to let her know uh, that we're doing the reading, seek permission and so forth, but have not heard back. So 
if she is hearing this, I hope uh, you're enjoying the reading. I'm very much enjoying uh, the story that you wrote. And I have received a number of comments from uh, the people listening. That's the cat box going off, or uh, cat feeder, apologies. Um, I've received a number of comments from people saying that they're surprised how much they missed uh, the weekly fanfic reading as well. So again, I'm going to post sometime this week a um, catch-up for the reading, which will now include chapter 11, chapters 1 through 11. And then uh, we'll pick this up on Monday. Every It's so funny how, um, you know, I enjoy the podcast and, and, and it's, it's, it's kind of an important part of my procedure and my, you know, you know what it is. But when we do the readings now, I'm like, oh, I've missed this. I want to know what happens. There are so many chapters to go. Um, maybe with everyone being uh, housebound homebound uh right now i will just do a half week podcast where uh, we just read a couple of chapters i think that sounds fun but then again once it's done it's gonna be done and then it'll, we'll be sad or i'll be sad i don't know about you i don't know if you'll be sad i get sad pretty easily that's kind of what this whole podcast was about all right my friends um you know i i i ordinarily script a little um See you next time, but I did not uh, today simply because I felt like it would be, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's all the things to say and there's nothing uh, that can be said. Yeah, it's just a weird time. It's, it's scary for some of us um, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll get through it together. Uh, I am here and I will be back on Monday. And um, hopefully have a new video video for you soon. I am learning more and more not to forecast. But in the meantime, you know, as we as we talked about with the awareness of the autopilot, uh, just uh, there's nothing wrong with autopilot. There's nothing wrong with me in sweatpants cuddling up against a box of boda. You know. That may have been something I needed to do for a day or two before I said, all right, so let's get back to it. What what do I, who do I want to be in this new normal, in this particular situation? And that person is someone who is talking to you guys and, and writing content and working on the story and running and, and all of that. Like I said, it hasn't changed. Um, and just... Seeing the autopilot gives me that choice. So um, I hope that that you're doing all right. And, um, you know, I think for a while, uh, be a little more regular. I think we all need it. All right, that's it. Have a great week, and um, I'll see you guys back on Monday.